Beyond the Collabo Babble is now in session. You know, Bill, one thing that we're really working toward um, as a vision for us, we want our program to be one that people come to for support as opposed to run away from. And for too long, uh, it's been a run away um, from um, type of um, deal for many parents, and we're working very hard to change that. Beyond the Collab of Babel, meet the people behind the studies, programs, projects, and initiatives. Beyond the Collab of Babel, keeping you motivated and focused through the challenges. Beyond the Collab of Babel, sparking innovation, improvement, and reform. Beyond the Collab of Babel, listen, learn, lead, take action. Listen, learn, lead, take action. Listen, learn, lead. Take action. Welcome to Beyond the Collab of Babel, the podcast committed to sharing stories of collaboration, system improvement, and systems reform in the Colorado courts. On this podcast, we will introduce you to the people leading change and taking action. Today's episode of Beyond the Collab of Babel will cover child support services and the 2020 vision of the future. The guests are Larry Dabian, Director of Child Support Services at the Colorado Department of Human Services, and Kenitha Julian, the Child Support Services Coordinator at the Colorado State Court Administrator's Office. I am your Collab of Babel host, Bill Delisio, Family Law Program Manager at the Colorado State Court Administrator's Office, Court Services Division. I'm doing great. Thanks for coming today and um, helping us with this podcast. Before we get started, I wanted to know, what does Beyond the Collapse of Babel mean to you, Larry? What it means to me is that our programs are full of all kinds of acronyms and terminology, and uh, it's so important that we work with our partners in collaboration that we need to get beyond that and talk about how we can work together to um, improve um, service delivery for families. Nice, thanks. And Kenitha, what does uh, Beyond the Collab of Babel mean to you? Along those same lines um, with our collaboration, we all talk about collaborating and how we all can do things together. But for me, it's the importance of making your talk go to action and what can we do to put those actions into place. And um, fortunately, Larry and I are pretty good partners and and we've done quite a bit of um, talking and making action and look forward to a lot of activities um, that he has in sites with the strategic plan. So Collabo Webble is um, a pretty exciting topic for all of us. Okay. Well, we're going to get into the Colorado Child Support Services uh, strategic plan or 2020 vision of the future. But before we do that, Kenitha, um, you're the child support liaison. Um, here here in Colorado, and the program's been around a while, but I don't know if everybody that's listening to our podcast is familiar with this, so could you just give the background on this collaboration? Sure. It has been around about 20 years, but actually Colorado is only one of a few states that actually have a child support liaison, and so my role is pretty unique. Um, I think I have probably the best job in Colorado because of my job, and what what I do as the liaison is I'm the liaison between Department of Human Services, specifically the child support services and our judicial division and what that does is gives me an opportunity to meet with both sides learn and become educated about their philosophies and their processes and then how those interact with one another it's an opportunity for child support services being very involved with their processes what they need to do and one of their major activities obviously are court orders and court activities and mediation and all of those filter through the judicial office and it allows me to bring back that information or areas that they're working on back to judicial and say, hey, how can we support this? How can we help facilitate this through the judicial office? And then also on the judicial side, making sure that all of our judicial offices are educated and brought up to speed in reference to child support services, and then also updates and statutes and um, child support guidelines when those those are um, amended at all. 
And then also, very briefly, contract administrator. So for the judicial side, I facilitate the contract with our FFP contract that facilitates the monies and funds that come from the federal department through child support services for our judicial officers, magistrates, and clerks that actually help facilitate the child support service actions on our side. And what does FFP stand for, just for the folks that might not be familiar with it? Federal something. Financial participation. Oh, well, Larry, there you go. Federal Financial Participation Program. So, Larry, just as the director of Child Child Support Services, how how have you uh, found over your career that this liaison position has been a benefit um, to the executive branch? It's been a a wonderful um, assistant to our program, and I can tell you it's unique amongst the um, child support programs in our country. Um, I have a lot of conversations with child support directors from other states, and they really don't have this type of position. So we're really fortunate in what it has allowed us to do and continues to, to allow us to do. And, and Kenitha's um, outstanding effort that she's been providing to us is the connections between county child support programs and the, and the courts. What we've learned over the years without that, oftentimes um, court staff and the child support program have not met. They didn't even know who each other um, were. They So this liaison position in Kenitha and her role has really helped in terms of establishing those connections when there's issues either from the judicial side of uh, things, concerns about how child support is handling things or vice versa, provided an opportunity for her to get the parties together, sit down and come up with some great solutions. Well, now, Larry, I wonder if you could tell our audience a little bit about the Child Support Services 2020 vision for the future and, and what brought that about in Colorado? Happy to do that. And Bill, I just wanted to say thank you for including uh, me and our program as part of this podcast, we certainly appreciate it. Um, in the Child Support Services program, we are all about collaboration. And the model we've used in our program for at least the last 20 years is to have a strategic plan that guides our work, internal work with um, with our county partners, but also external, external work with our community um, and um, other agency partners. So um, our last strategic plan expired. And what we did was we conducted a series of listening sessions around the state, I think probably nine or 10 of those. We invited our county child support partners, human services partners, judicial partners, other community um, uh, resources, and sat down and asked them what would be their vision of what we as a state can work on so that families are getting child support services that they need, so that parents are getting the services that they need as well. And a few years ago, we changed our title from child support enforcement to child support services. So that was really a primary focus is what are the types of services outside of our core services relating to establishment enforcement? What are the services we can do to connect parents to the resources they need so that they're able to be more fully engaged with their children and their families and also be able to pay their child support. So that was a primary focus. We got great feedback from all of our community partners. And uh, in our program, in the child support program, we have something called the 4D task force. 4D refers to Title 40 of the Social Security Act. And it mm-hmm. is a task force. It's the strategic planning arm of our program. And it consists of the um, child support representatives from around the counties, human services directors, community partners, our federal partner, Kenitha as the judicial liaison. So we took what was learned from the listening sessions and spent about nine months really honing and identifying what we wanted our goals to be, what we wanted our key strategies to be through 2020. And we thought the the title 2020 Vision for the Future was a 
cool way to describe it. So uh, I'm really curious a, a little bit more background on the change from enforcement to services. Are you starting to see any changes across the state or in particular counties with just this rebranding or this change in name that, that, that you undertake? We certainly we certainly have, Bill. And in addition to just the change of the name, we're seeing, seeing changes in terms of um, counties providing those services. We're required in every state child support program is required to um, complete the core functions of our program relating to establishing paternity, establishing child support orders, enforcing those obligations. But what we've learned is um, if all we're doing are those core services, it gets performance levels to a certain level, but not beyond that. And um, we have realized and our county partners have realized that we want to do more than just our core services. And um, bottom line is if someone doesn't have a job, if someone doesn't have an ability to pay their child support, but willing to do it. All the enforcement remedies in the world, driver's license suspension and credit reporting, that's not gonna be successful in getting that parent engaged with their family and being able to pay their child support. So we realized as a service to our families, we needed to expand into services and enforcement um, is one of those services for the right cases, but equally as important is how do we connect whole families to the resources they need to be successful. Kenitha, when you're meeting with judges, magistrates, other uh, judicial staff, how's this change in uh, from enforcement to services affecting the way they operate or engaging with the local department when serving their population? Um, it has changed. And in fact, we have a couple of courts that we call problem-solving courts that have taken different initiatives on how they enforce um, child support orders. And we've seen a heightened interest in some of the courts that don't already have those, especially when they have new magistrates or new judicial officers come on board. They go and they observe and they see that practice and bring it forward to their areas. And so we have seen a heightened interest in that. And what that does is allows the courts also to take on that mission of child support services and not do the hammer down like it used to be, deadbeat dads. A lot of that language has changed in the courtrooms. It's really what is the barrier to you paying the support, not let's throw you in jail for a thousand dollar purge. What is your barrier? And if your barrier is substance abuse, I have seen the judicial officers place somebody or help them get services in order to get treatment. Um, their barriers, they can't get a job. Well, let's get you over to workforce. And the divisions of the child support services have been able to help them with that. And Larry, is this something that the federal government's been pushing down to the states or asking the states to think about? How did how did that sort of change in the branding of service and enforcement happen? For eight years um, during the Obama administration, we had uh, Office of Child Support Enforcement Commissioner Vicki Turetsky who used to work for CLASP. And uh, when she was working for CLASP, he was definitely an advocate for the child support program, changing the direction and providing services to parents. So when she took on the role as commissioner of the Office of Child Support Enforcement, she began working um, with the state child support programs, the the tribal programs around the country to uh, infuse this idea and this concept and incorporated it as part of the national strategic plan. So that is something um, both Vicki's work when she worked for CLASP and her uh, leadership when she was um, commissioner of the child support program that really inspired us that this was something we wanted to work on in Colorado. And, and CLASP is, what does CLASP refer to? Center for Law and Social Policy. Oh. What's the major primary focus for the 2020 vision at this time in Colorado? The um, strategic plan um, has um, goals relating to our core services, relating to establishing paternity, establishing child support and enforcing child support obligations. So 
that is a primary focus for us, but we wanting to do that, do the enforcement on the right cases. Um, for those cases where a parent has an ability to pay their child support, but is choosing not to, those are the cases that we really want enforcement remedies to, to kick in for. So one of our focal points is working with our county child support partners to um, transform the program to more of a two-generational approach. And this really is, um, you know, we've taken this on under, under the leadership of Reggie Bika, who is the executive director for the Department of Human Services. He's a fellow with Aspen Institute and has really infused the idea of two-generational transformation for all the program areas within the Department of Human Services. So we're kind of fitting into the, the vision that he's created for um, all human services programs uh, in the state. So over the last couple of years and continuing in this current year, we are designing, um, piloting, and testing a model of connecting parents to the resources they need to pay their child support. In fact, just recently we worked um, with um, University of Northern Colorado professors, part of our 2Gen effort, um, met with the parents, the counties met with parents at the time of uh, order establishment or intake, and asked them to identify if there were any barriers that they had to being able to pay their child support. And we just received some results that have shown that certain factors have a, a def definitive correlation impact in terms of their ability to pay their child support. So through this continued two-gen transformation effort, we will be um, piloting a, um, a caseload management process based upon what we learned on this predictive tool so that um, by end of 2018, um, beginning of 2019, we will roll this out on a statewide basis. So we have currently 11 counties that are participating as part of that. So that's a big area of focus for us. And even though we have 11 counties piloting, we are communicating broadly with our partners, with our county child support programs, with our county human services directors, with um, judicial and other, any partner that we can connect with to share with, the, share with them that this is the direction we're moving as our program. And we, have, we still have a ways to go because there's many parents in our caseload that maybe have been in the program for a while and maybe their previous experience had not been as positive when it was more of a primary in, uh, enforcement related emphasis. So we're really working with to educate our customers, our clients on our child support cases of this transformation so they come back to us so that we're able to work with them and hopefully connect them to the resources they need. Okay, I just wanted to unpack that a little bit. You said you have 11, 11 counties that are using a predictive tool. Now, is that predictive tool designed to identify when you should go from a service mode to an enforcement mode? Is that what's going to help you? So it's going to be not just something that's subjective, but a more objective way of determining that? Yes, actually, the first phase of our 2Gen transformation tested the use of this document, this tool called the Family Resource Assessment, and it's a document that is completed and parents have completed it at the time of order establishment or intake early in their stages. And what we wanted to do is to identify, by based upon what parents identified as potential barriers, what factors actually contributed to an inability to pay their child support down the road. So the goal is to know early what those, what those factors are help the parent to do something about that now as opposed to waiting for the order to get established and then, you know, a period of non-payment, then trying to figure out what needs to happen to work with that family. So we want to intervene early with families, let make them aware of the different resources within their community that can help them um, connect with their children, help them with overcoming any barriers they may face, such as employment, those types of issues. 
So it's a way to work with the family that even help them and the, and the worker have a common language around what kind of help they would need instead of just saying, what do you need? And people say, I don't know, <laughs> right? It's something more, more structured. Absolutely, Bill. And not only with the parent with the child support obligation, we want to do the same thing with the um, custodial party, the um, parent or caretaker that has the children with them is to connect them to the resources they may need. Oftentimes, parents that, or caretakers that apply for services may not be aware of other um, services that are out there, such as SNAP, food assistant, or uh, Medicaid, those types of things. But getting um, parents connected to all of the resources that are available in the community. And you'd asked me earlier, Bill, if, if counties are engaged with this. And it's been great to see, because through the strategic plan meetings that Kanitha was very active in, we took time with um, each county partner that was at the meetings and asked them, what are the things you're already doing to find out about the resources within your community and connect parents? And in every one of the nine or 10 strategic plan meetings, every county um, said that they are already doing an awful lot of this and are very excited about the, this transition. Interesting. Kanitha, in your role, have you, uh, do you see the opportunities or have you heard any feedback about how some of these tools might even help beyond the child support realm or in the broader context of domestic relations law or other areas? Do you see these tools at some point when the Sounds like we're in a piloting phase, a mm-hmm. testing phase. But when we go across the state, do you, do you see any connections that might be helping other other courts? I do. In the fact, I um, had looked at it in reference to, as we know, in the courts, a high percentage of our cases are now becoming pro se cases. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is over children and children's rights or their children and what parents can do for their children. And so a lot of sharing and getting that information is that remember that child support services is not just for the indigent folks. Mm -hmm. And so with these initiatives, it can help those pro se parties that come forward that really don't have resources to hire attorneys. And so that's why they're in court is because they can't hire attorneys to come forward, but yet they're stuck in that system and it's helping to gear them and, and give them a direction to child support services and have child support services assist them. And then also make those resources available to them. Yeah, because something that comes to my mind, if I understand this correctly, is for $20, or someone who needs help with child support establishment can go to child support. And maybe in the past, people had some reservations about going to child support. But with this new approach, it sounds like if you spend $20 on the application, you and your family could get really access to some services and some information to help you meet some of your needs. And, and that's pretty exciting when I listen to this. Is, is that kind of the way you guys see that playing out as well? Absolutely. In fact, um, any parent, um, custodial or non-custodial, can apply for services. A caretaker can apply for services. So we are really working hard to get the word out about our program, the benefits. Uh, We recently had an article in the Denver Post that shared a positive success story of our Colorado Parent Employment Project, uh, which is a federal demonstration grant where we're testing new innovative approaches for connecting parents to resources, getting employment. And I received a, an email from a, a parent um, after that article was published. And he said, I don't know if you can help me in, in my county. Um, he had a case in, a different, in, a, in one of the non-Colorado Parent Employment Project counties. And I said, absolutely. I connected him to the, the uh, person with Denver County uh, Child Support Services that um, oversees their fatherhood program. She got back to him right away, and he was just so appreciative of that. So that is something that we're really encouraging. And what we really want to do, Bill, is uh, rather than uh, a parent to wait for a period of non-payment, as soon as the order is established, as soon as there is parents are no longer together, encouraging 
either parent, both parents, to apply for child support services. You mentioned $20 fee, and in some cases that can be waived if there's financial hardship. And the wealth of um, um, services that can be provided for that are truly incredible. So that's our hope as part of um, this podcast. And other things we're doing with our strategic plan is to encourage everybody to get the word out about our program because nationally and including in Colorado, the caseload is going down a little bit. So we really want to get the word out about um, the services that are offered and how easy it is to apply. And I'd like to add the fact that it is important to get that information out about these services because what we have found and kind of looping back to your initial question, how does this link out to some of our other areas and family and our family unit is we all know that with both parents involved in a child, a child is much more successful. Their ACEs scores goes down, just a lot of a benefit to the children. And so the more that we make this program known to our judicial officers so that they can make referrals to our clerical staff so that they can help make those referrals to our public partners to make those referrals. Mm-hmm. I think we're doing a benefit for the children of Colorado to make sure that we're helping those families to to create the best children that we possibly can get. Okay, so like if you're a, a, a self-represented litigate coordinator or a Sherlock or a family court facilitator or a program manager in the courts, this is something that we want them to make referrals to as well. And the judicial officers that are sitting there with the families in their courtrooms. Absolutely. That's so great. Now, the two-generation approach, I, I want to go back to that a little bit. And I was wondering if either one of you or both of you might have a, a story that would kind of illustrate what that two-generation approach is meant to accomplish, or maybe a story of how taking that approach has has a better impact on a family, a more positive impact on a family than maybe what we were doing 10 years ago. Anything you want to share? If you have one that comes straight to mind, yes. go right ahead. I'll absolutely do okay. that. I mentioned our federal demonstration grant, which is the Colorado Parent Employment Project. We know it as COPEP, one of the acronyms that I committed to at the beginning of this not to use in this <laughs> podcast. Um, but we're testing uh, new approaches. And Prowers County, which is in Lamar, Colorado, is one of um, the um, four counties in Colorado that's participating in this. And this is an eight-state federal demonstration grant, and it's the only small county in, the, in these eight states that are participating as part of this. And one of the stories that was shared with us was a story of a uh, parent uh, who was responsible, responsible for paying child support, um, had not been connected with his three children for years. And the COPEP um, worker in Prowers reached out to this individual and said, hey, we've got this really cool program called COPEP. We loved it. We noticed you're not able to currently pay your child support. Why don't you come into our office, sit down, and we can talk about how we might be able to support you uh, in this. So they worked with this individual, uh, contacted him. Um, Turns out that there was a child protection case against the other parent. And because of COPEP, because of connecting parent, this individual to the uh, resources, providing them um, the skills necessary to be a parent, he was successful in going back to court and getting custody of his three children. And he um, was willing to participate in in an article that was published nationally with our National Child Support Enforcement Association newsletter and our Office of Child Support Enforcement. And there's just tons of success stories like that that we've heard from parents about what a difference this has made. And, you know, Bill, one thing that we're really working toward um, as a vision for us, we want our program to be one that people come to for support as opposed to run away from. And for too long, uh, it's been a run away um, from um, type of um, deal for many parents. And 
we're working very hard to change that. That's a great story. And it also kind of demonstrates the crossover in the different case types. So we've got silos based on where your case is filed. And I know through my experience over the years, sometimes the child welfare part of the Department of Human Services in a county doesn't always know exactly what the child support units doing. And we've taken um, opportunities over the years to try and bring those groups together or educate those groups. But the two-generation approach actually supports that and wants to see more of that in Colorado. And this COPEP, I think is mm-hmm. what you called it, yes. uh, is a demonstration project. What, what, what's the potential that we might see when this demonstration project's over for the rest of the state? Well, we've learned already from our own extracts of the data that within six months of parents participating in this program, um, over 60% of those folks are full-time employed. And these were individuals that were not paying their child support. Um, so by connecting them to COPEP, providing um, a variety of services, maybe it's work boots, maybe that's the barrier, helping the person to get back their driver's license so they can um, have transportation to work, connecting them to um, fatherhood services, providing um, mediation opportunity for mediation services to connect for their, with their children. Those wraparound types of services are really uh, making a positive difference. And, you know, Bill, one of the story, if I could share that, was really, really heartwarming when we heard this, is that Arapahoe County is one of the other COPEP counties. And one of the fathers that they reached out to was um, so impressed and appreciative of the work that they did to help get him back on his feet, um, get him a new job, get him connected with his children. They've actually hired him, and he's now actually conducting the fatherhood courses in Arapahoe County for the other fathers participated in this. So the number of those types of stories is just um, overwhelming and really um, lets us all believe this is the right direction. Larry and Kenitha, can you let our audience uh, know how they could reach out to you? And and also, what are the top three priorities that you want them to take away from this conversation um, that we had today on on this episode of Beyond the Collabo Babble? So for me, Kanitha, um, you can reach me at ju- the state court administrator's office here in Judicial by email. Um, it's Kanitha, which is K-E-N-N-E-T-H-A dot Julian, J-U-L-I-E-N at judicial.state.co.us is probably the best way to get a hold of me because I do a lot of traveling and I'm pretty good about checking my email pretty regularly. If you leave me a message, it may be a day or so before I get back to you since I am out and about traveling, um, spreading the word about child support services and meeting with our judicial officers. The three priorities that I feel um, I would want people to take away is Obviously, local collaboration. As we previously discussed, to me, it's very important to have our local judiciaries and our local child support offices to have good relationships with one another. There's a lot of counties that are doing some really great work with that. Some of our um, rural areas, because they are so small, it's hard to have that. Although there's some of our rural areas, they are so small that they automatically have it. So it's just very imperative, I believe, to have those relationships so that you can have those difficult conversations, such as a case that has been referred to child support that's not a child support referable case mm-hmm. or um, an issue where child support feels that the court is not doing what they feel is appropriate in a particular case. So those relationships to me is a number one priority. 
of the other um, priorities, I think resources available, just making sure that everyone's aware that there are resources available, whether it's through child support services and even through um, our judicial office. We have our family friendly courts. We have our access and visitation grants. There's a lot of avenues in which resources could be available to both sides to make sure that clients and children are being um, looked after appropriately and have the best opportunity for their future. And then the last one is mediation. Through child support services, as Larry had previously indicated, making sure that that's available. Judicial obviously has some realms in making um, this, our mediation available. And the reason that's important is because a lot of times people are, the initial quest is child support. But in the overall scheme, it's really about parenting time and making sure there's access to children. And a lot of that we have found can be done through mediation. So there are a lot of cases that can be resolved through child support services with the assistance of mediation that wouldn't have to um, bog down the court system and and make a lot of angst for the parents. So to me, those are the three priorities. How about you, Larry? My contact information, the best way to reach me is via email, and it's Larry.Dabian, and I definitely need to spell that because it's not like it uh, sounds. It's D-E-S-B-I-E-N at state.co.us and I would welcome any questions, any feedback. Would love to hear from you. The the top three priorities I would, or takeaways I would suggest is that um, we really are trying to take into consideration in our program, the customer's perspective. Um, what is it from their perspective that we can do to improve our services? So with our judicial partners, when you hear from parents, feedback about things that aren't working as well as maybe they they, they might be, please encourage them to reach out. They can reach out to me. I'd love to hear from parents. They can reach out to their, their county child support uh, programs and that we're really transforming the program. Let's encourage parents to apply for services early on rather than wait um, for six months, nine months, a year worth of non-payment before um, a parent um, applies for, uh, for child support services. And just to kind of piggyback on what Kenitha um, shared is the importance of having that ongoing dialogue with the county child support program and judicial staff. The counties that have done a great job of that have seen tremendous benefits from it and tremendous outcomes for families. So that is really something that I think is a, a really important takeaway as well. One last thing, where could folks find the child support uh, services strategic plan, the 2020 vision, if they wanted to, to dig into it a little more deeply and, 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 and read each of the strategies? and. I don't know if you if you would like to, but if you wanted to also just go over those strategies briefly um, so people kind of know what they might be looking up. Certainly. We're working to put that on our our, uh, uh, our child support website, um, but I'm happy to, we have electronic copies of it, tons of um, hard copies as well. We can certainly distribute that um, broadly. Um, that is, uh, we'd be more than happy to do that. Um, our eight key strategies that are part of this plan are to provide uniform resources available on a statewide basis. We don't want, we want the same high quality um, services that a parent might receive in one county to be consistent across the entire state. So that's really an, an, an important priority for us moving forward in this strategic plan. The other thing is to, um, we, uh, main, we at the state maintain the automated system that is used, um, that interfaces with judicial and that child support professionals use to uh, manage their cases. And we're working very hard to make those a little bit more intuitive, to provide better information at the worker level so they know which cases are important to be worked at, at what time. 
delivery and de development and delivery of comprehensive robust training. We've really dedicated um, our child support trainers in our division on the latest of adult learning theory so that we're, when we're training community partners, when we're training county child support professionals, um, other state agencies, that we're not reading from a PowerPoint, but rather we're really developing and delivering training based upon the latest in adult learning theory. So that's really a, a critical focus for us. Timely internal and external communication is something that we're really focusing in on. We, and within the next month, we will begin text messaging with the parents um, on our child support cases to let them know, um, you know, if they missed a payment, we want to get, provide those reminders. Uh, we, we're doing some piloting with that. So that's something that we're wanting to do more of. We're wanting to do more outreach with the um, media in terms of positive success stories so that um, folks are aware of the good work that is happening in our program. We also want to really develop and update main, uh, uniform policies and procedures. In other words, let's look at what are the statutory changes, perhaps, that could be um, proposed that would make a difference in terms of providing um, services um, to families, um, to parents. And um, those are our eight strategies. There's a lot of sub-strategies underneath that. And okay. Kenneth is a member of the 40 Task Force and is actually working on the the strategy dealing with changing the and expanding, enhancing the awareness of the child support program in the face of the program so that uh, parents, um, the public um, understands our transformation and what we're trying to move toward to connect parents to resources. All right. So the last thing we like to do is give our audience an opportunity to learn a few things about our guests that might not be related to the work that we do. Um, so I'm going to ask you guys a series of questions, and, and you can take turns answering them. But the first one is, tell me something that surprised you about this podcast today. For me, how much fun it is. <laughs> I, I think I came in with a little anxiety, wanting to you know be a little more stiff and cardboard. But as we got rolling um, and laughing with with Larry and Bill, and um, it's just been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's not so scary after all. We, <laughs> old dogs can learn new tricks, referring to myself, not to present company. All right. Um, what, what's your favorite thing or place in Colorado? Any place where I can play golf. I am an avid <laughs> golfer, and um, I'm trying to get back to my skills that I demonstrated playing high school and college golf. So anything on the golf course is something I enjoy, and um, hiking. Um, Although my wife says my hiking is not really qualifying as real hiking, but I call it hiking. So that's something I really enjoy as well. Do you have a favorite course that 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 you think people should play if they haven't? Well, I was recently married and now living in Lakewood, so I've been um, going to Fox Hollow Golf Course and really love the courses there. Very nice. nice. How about you, Kenneth? For me, it's the seasons and seasonal activities. Um, I have two young boys, and so it's fun for the seasons to change. Winter, we're ski av advocates. Summer, you know, swimming, lake activities, hiking, a lot of outdoor activities. So I love the change of seasons. All right. Next question is, where's somewhere in the world that you dream of visiting one day? You want to take this one, Kenneth? Bali, <laughs> without <laughs> hesitation. <laughs> For me, it's um, Viaquez, which is an island off of Puerto Rico. I had, as I mentioned, I got married about eight months ago, and we had planned a honeymoon to Viaquez, and of course, scheduled it eight months in advance, and it happened to coincide with the um, the devastating hurricane. So, at some point, we'd like to get back and be able to experience that. Yeah, that sounds that sounds great. What is your perfect meal? Well, it has to start off with a cold brewski. Um, <laughs> Of course, this is outside of work hours, Bill, right? <laughs> yes, of course. So um, 
Um, I um, love fish. Um, so anything that's uh, fish, I um, love sushi. Um, and good company, that makes all the difference in the world no matter where you're eating at. That's a good way to put it. As a good Southern girl, I would be remiss if I didn't say fried pork chops, collard greens, and cornbread. And so and a good glass of milk after that brewski. So. All right. <laughs> Lastly, what is something you believed for a long time and you later found out to be untrue? That kids do not belong on planes. For the longest time, I thought that was true. And then as an um, older parent, <laughs> I realized, no, that is not true. Um, you just have to be very um, creative in how you entertain your children when they're on the plane. And, and also be more tolerant that, you know, babies, their ears pop and different things. And there's a lot of reasons that kids are the way they are on a plane. And so, yeah, that's one of the things that I thought was one way for a long time, but then life experience made me realize otherwise. For me as a child growing up, our family always took a lot of family vacations and we traveled to great destinations, including Colorado. And I always thought, man, I would love to live there. I thought that's, there's no way in the world that's going to possibly happen. So what I've learned is that if it's something you truly want, that you can seek out those opportunities and, and make them happen. And I think we're learning that through professionally and also in my own personal life. All right. Well, thank you for appearing on today's episode of Beyond the Collabo Babble and sharing the 2020 vision and future of Colorado Child Support Services. And um, that's all I have. That's thank a wrap. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Well, that's it for this episode of Beyond the Collabo Babble. Listen, learn, listen, lead, learn, take action. Listen, learn, listen, take action. Listen, learn, listen, take action.